Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to 260 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the missing piece in the gospel. Let's dive in. In the last episode, I talked about the fact that our salvation truly is great. And I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He says in Hebrews 2.3, that we are not to neglect so great a salvation. Our salvation truly is profound. It is massive. And we should always stand in awe of the wonder and the reality of our salvation. Which then really begs the question of, well, what is the gospel? And we could probably spend countless episodes talking about the richness of the gospel. And yet I want to talk really quickly about a missing piece in our gospel. Oftentimes the modern church sees the gospel as merely the entrance into the reality of Christ. It's that kind of that precursor or the prelude to get someone to accept Jesus Christ. And so I've often heard the gospel phrase something like this, that Jesus came to earth, died for our sins and rose again from the dead. Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you want to accept Jesus? (laughs) And while that is true, that is a part of the gospel. That's not the totality of the gospel. We've often seen the reality of the gospel, or not maybe that we've said it this way fully, but the way we've intended it is almost this idea that the gospel is merely a hug from God, that his grace, yes, it's wonderful. It has forgiven you. And it's like, here I am in a blizzard and God has given me this warm hug. And he's like, all right, good job, do better. And I'm still living in the misery of the Arctic. And yet the fullness of the gospel is not that he just gives me a hug in the middle of the winter storm, rather he pulls me out of that land and puts me down in the Caribbean or whatever nice place you want to imagine. (laughs) When you look at this idea of the gospel, it is this idea that the God of the universe who made you and I longs for relationship with us, that what you see in the garden is that he had made Adam and Eve and had this incredible relationship with them. And yet because of independence and because of selfishness, 
Well, they ate of the fruit and fell. They literally were divided and removed from relationship with God. And so what you begin to see throughout the Old Testament is God's intervention and activity to woo his people back to him. And it all comes thundering to a head, obviously, in Jesus, that he is our means of salvation. And so at the perfect timing in human history, God sent forth himself as a little babe to grow up in this Israeli culture under Roman rule and was eventually crucified. Now, the heart of the gospel is the cross. It is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if we merely stop there, we've actually left out a critical piece of the gospel. Yes, God came to earth, was incarnate, lived a perfect, sinless life, was crucified, praise the Lord, died and buried for my sin, that he took all of my sin upon himself, and he willingly paid the punishment that I so rightly deserved. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That God allowed himself to literally become our sin, to take on our sin so that we could take on his righteousness. That he took on my corrupt, wicked, evil, sinful nature so that I could take on his righteous, perfect, holy nature. That is the most mind-boggling exchange in all of human history. Why would the God of the universe be so willing to take my sin to give me his life and his holiness and his righteousness? Well, it's because of his great love and mercy toward us, that he's longing for relationship. And that really is this idea or what I'm trying to articulate is the missing piece. That when you look at what God has done, it's not merely just the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is, I don't want to downplay that. That is so amazing that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the heart of the gospel. And yet, why did Jesus go to the cross, was buried, and why did he rise again? Well, it is so that he could ascend into heaven, which is what you see at the end of Matthew or at the beginning of Acts. But all of that was so that he could sit at the right hand of the Father and give us what he called the promise of the Father, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That when you look at this reality of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that is what God has been longing for for his people ever since the fall of humanity in the garden. That what Adam and Eve lost in the garden was this intimate fellowship and relationship with God, but they also lost the reality that they were filled with God, that they have now become spiritually dead. And God's motivation, God's desire for his people wasn't just merely forgiveness. It's the fact that he wanted to indwell them and live through them once again. William Law, the great Puritan, said it this way. He said, the purpose of the cross wasn't merely forgiveness, The purpose of the cross was Pentecost, that God's heart in the cross was so that he could send forth his spirit to live and dwell once again in his people. But he cannot dwell in unholy vessels. So you need the cross so that 
we could be forgiven and experience this so great salvation so that he can come and fill our lives. Major Ian Thomas is one of my favorite people in Christian history. I loved his passion and focus on Jesus. And when he was talking about this whole reality, he said it this way, that when God created man, he created a physical, visible man in a physical, visible world to showcase to that physical, visible world what an invisible God looks like, that we were the visible representations of God to our world. And yet because of sin, we no longer had that ability. So Jesus came as the perfect man and once again displayed to all the world what the invisible God looks like, that he lived as a man ought to live. So as Ian Thomas is fleshing out this idea, he's articulating the fact that the visible physical man is to demonstrate and showcase the invisible God to this physical visible world. And yet when you look at the reality of the cross and the fact that the God of the, the God of the universe now indwells our life through his spirit, well, once again, man, this physical visible creation can once again, declare to all the world what the invisible God is like. That when the world looks at your or my life, they should see the reality of Christ. They should know that God still sits upon his throne, that he still is enthroned in high. Why? Because they see him in us. That that is the reality of the cross. And the fullness of the gospel isn't just merely the cross, And again, I don't want to downplay the cross. The cross is phenomenal. Praise the Lord for the cross of Christ. But the cross of Christ was needed so that you would be forgiven, so that sin would be dealt with, so that he can actually come and indwell his people once again. God's desire isn't merely just to have a whole bunch of forgiven people. He desires holy, righteous men and women of God who live by faith in this world that demonstrate to the onlooking world what God is like. Ian Thomas also gave this brilliant concept, and I don't have the exact quote, but the idea was that when Christ came and died upon the cross, it wasn't so that he can merely get you into heaven. It was so that he can get heaven into you. And that is the reality of that Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost to indwell the life of the believer. That a Christian can only be a Christian when he's indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that we are to be empowered and sourced by the very Spirit of God in this world. That it's not, I'm not living the Christian life through self-effort or self-wisdom or or my own talent or ability. Rather, by faith, I am living every moment by the strength, the wisdom, the talent, the ability of God in and through my life. Let me give you one other Ian Thomas quote. I love how Ian Thomas just articulates the profundity of the Christian life. But he says, the moment you come to realize that only God can make a man godly, you are left with no option but to find God, to know God, and let God be God in and through you. That is such a great way of saying it. That when you begin to realize that you and I cannot live a holy, righteous life on our own, Well, then it demands that we turn to the God of the universe and say, God, I can't, but you can. All right, let me give you one other Ian Thomas quote because I love this one too. (laughs) He said, 
that you can't, but he never said you could. Speaking of the Christian life and the fact that it's impossible for you or I to live outside of God, Ian Thomas said this, he says, you can't, but God never said you could. He will, and God always said he would. That is such an encouragement to me that in and of myself, I cannot live the Christian life. I cannot walk in holiness and righteousness and purity and truth and boldness. I need God to come and be God in and through my life, that I need his resource. I need his grace. I need his mind. I, I need his heart. I need his love flowing through my veins. I need him to be God in and through my life and to do something in and through me that I cannot do in and of myself. And the Christian life is always to be lived by faith in Christ, that I am saved by grace through faith, but I live by grace through faith, that I'm constantly living a life of faith, which is why I'm called a believer. Because when I do the action of believing, that's called faith. And if I'm going to live by faith, that means I must believe. So again, let's go back to the gospel. There's a missing piece often in the modern gospel. And we just, you know, pat people on their heads and say, okay, woo, you're saved. Praise the Lord. Christ died, was buried, rose again. Praise the Lord. Now go live a good Christian life. And yet we are sending people off to live a life that they cannot live in and of themselves, that they get frustrated and they get just confused because their life just is not working. And yet the reality of the Christian life is not something that you are to live in and of yourself. Because the reality of the fullness of the gospel is that, yes, Christ came to earth, that he died upon a cross, that he was buried and rose again to forgive us of our sins. And yet we experience forgiveness. We receive salvation so that we can be this clean and pure and holy vessel that God can come now and indwell within. And the reality of the Christian life is not just that I have been forgiven, it's that I have been forgiven and now filled with the very Spirit of God. And that I am living every moment by His overwhelming, empowering grace as I live with faith in Him. Do you realize how tremendous the gospel truly is? In fact, we could spend the next weeks and months just talking about the richness of the gospel because there are so many beautiful nuances to the reality of what God has done for you and I. I would encourage you today, would you freshly ponder the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you recognize what all that God has done for you via Jesus? Well, let me just leave you with one other verse. Paul in Romans eleven thirty six 36 talks about the reality of, of the word of God, the fullness of the gospel. I think it's a great summary statement of the reality of all that God is doing. And Paul says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Do you realize that the gospel, that your life, that your marriage, that your church should all be from Jesus, through Jesus, and to Jesus for his glory alone? Again, may I encourage you, would you freshly ponder the fullness of the gospel and realize that the gospel of Christ in your life is from him, that your life is now to be lived through him by his empowering grace, 
and ultimately our, all of our lives are unto him for his glory alone. Man, what an amazing reality. Well, thank you as always for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 260 for episode 260. And may I encourage you, if you like this podcast and think other people should listen to it, would you go to whatever platform you're listening on and give a rating and a review for this podcast? It helps Apple or whatever the platform you're listening on. It helps them recognize that this is a good podcast and you would encourage other people to listen to it. So if you have just a few moments, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review of the Deeper Christian Podcast. But regardless, know that I appreciate you listening. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ and the fullness of his gospel.